Welcome to the JMP Podcast. Now, this is the first episode, so things might change a little bit, but the general sense of this podcast is I'm going to be talking to you about cameras and things related to photography and video, whether it be a technique or a new camera that comes out, all that kind of cool stuff. And from time to time, I'll bring on other creators as guests as well. So that's a quick overview of what this podcast is generally going to be. Now, because this is the first episode, the pilot, if you will, I'm going to be answering some of the questions that I received over the past several months on my YouTube channel. If you have a question yourself that you might want answered, let me know in the comment section down below. Let's start off with a question that I get asked the most. What editing software do you recommend? Now, this one's a pretty simple one for me. I recommend DaVinci Resolve. Now, there are two versions. There's a free version, which I recommend for most people, and there is a studio version. I would recommend getting the studio version if you need anything higher than 4K resolutions. So for example, if you're shooting 6K or 8K footage, you're gonna need the studio version. Also, if you need an HDR workflow, then you would need that as well, as well as some server stuff and some more complicated effects and things like that. But for 90% of people, the free version is just good enough and is pretty much everything you need other than those little things that we talked about just a second ago. Now, let's talk about the next question I get all the time, APS-C or full frame? Now, it depends on the camera. So for the price point, let's just compare like the Canon R7 and R8, right? I've talked a lot about these cameras. They are the same price. One is APS-C, one is full frame. The R7 has more megapixels on 35 versus 24. Um, most of the time, if I need one camera that I know is going to work in all conditions, I'll grab the R8 because of the full frame. If I need to bump up the ISO, that will work. Um, the R7 is sharper and I'll get that if I know what scenario I'm in exactly. Um, for example, during the daytime, maybe I need a super fast shutter, I'll go with that smaller sensor because of those advantages. But again, it just depends on the camera, right? So like, I would much rather have a full frame like Canon R5 or R5C than an R7 or an R8. So if you can do it, I would recommend full frame because of the advantages, but both have their use cases. Okay, next question, used or new? Um, I would personally, I go with new just because I don't want to have any issues um, with a product. I don't want it to get scratched. And the big thing for me for this channel is I want to be able to unbox products brand new out of the box from the manufacturer. And I wanna have that experience in case there's any issues or anything like that. But if you wanna save some money, you can go used. Totally go used if you want to. But personally, I recommend new if you can do it. Okay, next question. Does 4K matter or is 1080p just good enough? Um, I would say that if you're doing content creation on YouTube, 1080p is probably fine. I would recommend doing 4K if your workflow allows it. So if your camera can do it, if you have enough space and editing power. These days, the processing power on the computer end is pretty much there. Um, you can get the basic end laptops now and they can handle 4K video. And all phones can shoot 4K unless you're going really back in time. So I would recommend doing 4K if you can, but 1080p is fine, especially if you have a better bitrate. I would always take a higher bitrate over more pixels. So. That's something to consider. I personally shoot mostly in 6K RAW. I know it's overkill, but it gives me the best results. This podcast is being filmed in 4K though because I don't wanna have mega files. It's still in RAW though because I just like that extra control and bit depth and everything. But yeah, 1080p is fine, 4K is fine. Just do what works best for you in the situation. Obviously, if you want the best quality possible, go as high as you can. Highest bit rate, highest resolution, Okay, next question. Sort of relating to what we talked about earlier with resolution, and that is, do I need to use 8-bit or 10-bit? Does that even make a difference? 
again, sort of like the resolution thing. Now, what we're referring to is the bit depth in the camera or in the video project. So 8-bit is going to be, I believe, 16 million colors versus 10-bit, which I believe is a billion, I think. So basically, what you're getting is more colors and more of the differences between those colors. So if you have 10-bit, you have all those like little, little adjustments in between those bigger color groups, right? So it's basically just going to be a little bit smoother of an image and it's going to look a little bit better. Um, I would always recommend, again, just like the resolution, if your workflow allows for it, so if your camera, if your computer, all that kind of stuff, to shoot in the highest bit depth you can. 10-bit is what I would recommend at least. You can shoot 8-bit if you don't have any other option. Um, personally, um, I like to go a little bit above that, so 12-bit, 16-bit in cinema cameras like the Blackmagic Pocket 6K. But again, just like we talked about with 6K RAW, completely kind of pointless for YouTube. Um, but 10-bit is probably good enough. Overall, I'd recommend if you can shoot in 4K 10-bit, you're good to go, right? And most cameras these days, like the Canon R8, Canon R7, basically any newer Canon, Sony, um, Fujifilm, basically any new camera can shoot in 10-bit 4K, 60 frames a second. Okay, that brings us to the next question, right? 24, 30, or 60 frames a second. Now, it depends on the style you're going for. If you're going for a movie, a lot of people say 24 frames a second. If you're doing YouTube video, maybe 30 or 60. I would stay away from 60 because uh, to compensate, you're going to have to lower your shutter speed a lot. So you're going to have to lower it from uh, 160th to 120th and reducing the lights and adding more noise. Um, also, 60 frames a second kind of looks unnatural. So I would stay away from 60 frames a second unless you're doing a lot of action content. For example, if you are a mountain biker and you have a GoPro, 60 frames a second all day. But if you're doing a talking headshot, it doesn't really make sense. Um, so it just depends on the style of content you're doing. Personally, I know that a lot of you are going to disagree with me on this. Personally, I don't like 24 too much. It looks a little bit not quite as smooth, really. And there is an issue uh, it's called step down, really, um, where because 24 frames a second doesn't equally divide into 60 or 120, really, um, it kind of doesn't really work with modern displays. So if you have 24 frames a second, a 60 hertz panel has to make two frames, then three frames, then two frames, then three frames, and that can give this weird effect. So if you can, I would just recommend shooting at 30 frames a second for all your projects and just keep it simple. Um, but again, you have the creative freedom in your own content. So shoot 60 frames a second if you want to, shoot 24 if you want to. My recommendation, as we just talked about earlier, 4K, 10-bit, 30. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on just a little bit more, maybe another five or so questions before the end of this episode. It's going to be a shorter one today, but yeah, we'll have some more fun later. Okay. Next question. Let me see what it is. Can I use the Canon R8 for a eight camera in a short film? Absolutely. Um, it just depends. Like you can have a good camera look terrible if you don't have the right lighting and all that stuff. And you can take pretty much any modern camera and make it look great if you have the right lighting. So it's less about the camera body um, than the lighting itself, right? So for example, right now I've got, I think six lights lighting me and it looks pretty good. But if I just use the overhead lights in the room, it wouldn't look good. So yeah, you can absolutely use the Canon R8 or any modern camera really for a short film um, if you know how to light the scene properly and if you know how to color grade. Again, as we talked about earlier, 
10-bit will give you that more flexibility. And especially for short films, if you can shoot in a log profile, no matter what your system is, even if it's an iPhone, you can shoot in log now. That'll give you the capability to color grade it your own way to get your own look. And especially for short films um, and movies and stuff like that, if you want to make the production as high as you can, definitely shoot in log. And if you can color grade that in DaVinci Resolve because it'll give you all the flexibility you need. Um, I've heard of people even, they edit in Premiere but they do all their color grading in Resolve. It's kind of a hassle to move it back and forth but that's how good Resolve is. So if you're starting from scratch, definitely go to Resolve because it's free and all that stuff. But again, back to the main question, can I use a Canon R8 for a short film? Absolutely. Um, Next question is similarly related to that and is, do you recommend using Sigma EF lenses for Canon R8? Now, we can just say all Canon R cameras. Do you recommend using EF lenses for RF cameras? The answer is absolutely. You can just get a little adapter like the one. Oh, I don't have it right here on me. But the one, uh, the EF to RF adapter, they sell a couple different variants. I use a ton of EF lenses. Uh, for example, this one is just right here, this uh, 150 millimeter to 600 millimeter EF sport lens from Sigma. I love these lenses and they're the best lenses I have. So I have the 70 to 200, 150 to 600, and 18 to 35. So absolutely, I recommend EF lenses for our systems. They are cheaper and they're often better for certain scenarios. Um, especially for lenses that aren't available in the RF system, like that 150 to 600. You can't buy that kind of lens from Canon directly. It's all gonna be third party. And with an adapter, it works fine. I've never had an issue on any Canon R camera. So if you get the adapter, it's totally fine. Uh, if you are starting from scratch and you are going to have RF cameras probably for the foreseeable future, um, just for simplicity's sake, you can get RF lenses. They're amazing as well. Um, even the L glass, the L glass is so good. The next question is, should I buy first party or third party batteries for my Canon camera? Okay, this one is a complicated one. I used to be on the side about a year, two years ago. Oh, fake batteries are totally good. You can use them, right? That's what I used to think. Well, given some time and given some issues that I've had with the fake batteries, um, I would stay away from them as much as possible. I have six third-party batteries for Canon LPE6 batteries, and they all have issues. Whether it be dying super fast or not even not being compatible with the Canon cameras or with the Blackmagic cameras that use the Canon EF batteries not being able to supply enough voltage. The Blackmagic cameras have no problem with any type of um, Canon battery that I've put at them, um, either it be fake or first-party, um, other than the voltage so because they draw so much power, they can just draw too much and the battery will just shut off and not work. So you don't want that to happen. So I would definitely stay first party with the Canon batteries. They are more expensive, but they're reliable and they're high capacity and they work with the Canon cameras. So definitely go first party, um, don't go third party. Um, if you absolutely need more batteries and you can't get the Canon ones in time or if you don't you just can't spend $80 on a Canon battery. Some of the batteries from Rav Power or Small Rig have worked fine for me. Um, you can also use a dummy battery with a V-mount. Um, that's worked okay. Again, I have had issues with the voltage, but that was less on the battery being able to supply it more and more of a communication error, I think. So yeah, stay away from third-party batteries if you can, but you, you can use them if you want to. But I don't recommend it. 
um, especially if you don't want to have issues. Is the Canon R7 a good camera for wildlife? And I would say absolutely. Because it's a crop sensor camera, it gives some more zoom. So if you're pairing it with a 600 millimeter lens like I showed earlier, it's going to become 940 millimeters. So a ton of zoom. And it has the super fast frame rate and a stabilized sensor. It's really everything you need. Now, for wildlife, if you're using a 600 millimeter lens at f6 or f8 or f11, low light is going to start being an issue. So I would say that the R7 is an awesome camera for that if you pair it with the right setup and if you can manage your shutter speed well enough. I s start to see a major degradation in image quality past 12,800 ISO on the R7. After that, I just switch over to the R8 and it works perfectly fine. If you have a 500 or 600 millimeter lens that's around F6, it's an awesome setup, but if you're planning on getting an F11 lens or anything higher than that, um, that are those cheaper zoom lenses, I would stay away from the R7 just because of that low light performance. Um, during the daytime, middle of the day, it's, it's okay, but as soon as you start to get a little bit darker, um, maybe during the winter time like it is starting to get a little bit darker during the day so maybe lean towards the r8 if you need it um, but r7 is a fantastic option if you have the right total package what is the lighting setup that i'm using okay this one is a pretty easy one that i will tell you about but i'm not going to show you because i can't do that super easily right now okay the main thing i've got a aperture light dome mini with a uh, Amran 200X light for my key light. It's at 100%. I think it's just at the daylight color temperature, so that's 5600, I think. Um, whatever the daytime color is. It is a bicolor light. I used to use the Amran 100D, and then I threw that up on a thing behind me to give me some hair light. I'm not using that today, but I usually use that for videos just because I wanted to, to try this whole thing with the microphone because I was having some issues before. If I film for a super long time, sometimes the microphone drifts a little bit and sometimes it doesn't work out perfectly. Because this is so audio centric, because it's a podcast, we're doing this one. In the background, I do have three lights from GVM. They are the 800Ds they're labeled as, they're 40 watt full color lights. I would not recommend them. I recommend you get the LED panels from Aperture or Amron um, instead, um, but that's what I have. And then on the other side, you can't really see it, but I have an Aperture B7C in that lamp behind me. So overall, a normal setup, I got six lights, key light, three LED panels, the LED light, and a hair light. About as many lights as you can use in a setup like this. I want to get another point source light from Aperture or Amron. I really want the 600D um, or the 600X, but I want another point source light in the back and maybe have a spotlight attachment with a gobo or something in the back. That would be cool at some point, but this is what we got right now. So yeah, that's the setup. Do you notice any difference in the image quality for the Canon R8 between 4K30 and 4K60? The answer is no, they look exactly the same they use the same encoding profile it just doubles the bitrate and as we talked about earlier um, the only difference that would be there is that you're going to change your shutter speed to be 1 20th of a second instead of 1 60th of a second so it's going to cut your light down just a little bit uh, for the motion blur to be proper okay next one do you upload clips of your full videos yes i do um there's a video coming out at some point maybe it already came out but um I upload a lot of, maybe I'll take a full video, maybe like this podcast right now and turn it into a clip, uh, short basically, and I'll throw it up on the platforms um, just because it's easy and it's content that maybe a lot of people wouldn't see on the normal videos. So if it's something that I think might be beneficial and worthy of being a short, I will just take the timeline, duplicate it, cut everything else out, and export that as a short. So yeah, just looking for more content to put up there. Um, I think let's answer one more question and then we'll round out with the end of this video. 
and this will be the first episode. We'll see where this podcast goes in the future, but this is what it is for today. What services would you recommend for stock music and sound effects? Now, this is an easy one. I would recommend Artlist.io. Now, here's a quick disclaimer. I am sponsored by them, but I'm going to tell you about how that happened. Now, I previously, like years ago, I used Artlist.io, and I was super impressed by their services. Um, after the first two years, I was like, hey, I want to see what else out th- is out there. So I tried some other services like Storyblocks, and I just really wasn't impressed. So I came back to Artlist, and I was like, this is the best service. I'm going to use this. Um, then when this YouTube channel started to pick up a little bit of steam, and I was like, I should get a sponsor, right? Because, you know, I got some more content and some more videos, and I think either that would get some more money for the channel or it just helped my credibility a little bit like oh you got a sponsor like you're not just just starting out a channel so i wanted a sponsor for the channel and so i was like hey this is a service i really really like artlist and i use all the time in my content and um I checked that out, and I was like, yeah, well, let me do this, so I sent them a request, um, I went through their process and everything, and I got an email back later, and we got that all set up, it took a little bit of time, but it all worked out, and I am now sponsored by Artlist. Now, Artlist owns two companies, or however it works, there's two services, I don't know exactly how it is all set up, but there are two services along with Artlist. Um, main ones. So there's Artlist, and there are different plans with Artlist. So there's music and sound effects, and there's also footage and templates, and basically everything. Um, so that's what I recommend um, for, especially just for music. But there's also Motion Array, and that's another service that I've been promoting as well. Now, the two are kind of one in a sense, but not. Um, I would recommend Motion Array, especially if you need a lot of motion graphics and plugins and all that kind of stuff. Less so for music. They do have music and sound effects and footage. Um, it's just not quite as good as art lists. So if you want the plugins and you want the presets and all that stuff that's not basically footage, sound effects, and music uh, as your priority, go for Motion Array. Um, if you if your priority is sound effects, music, and footage, go with Artlist. They both have both. It's just Motion Array is better at motion graphics and plugins and LUTs and all that stuff, and Artlist is better with music and all that. All, all of it's good on both platforms, so if you only were to get one, that's totally fine. It's just better suited for the different things. Um, so they all have it all, but there's different priorities, at least from what I can tell. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do. I personally use Artlist the most. Um, I do have some motion graphics. Um, there's one, but most of the time I'm just using the music and sound effects, um, even though I have access to the other stuff. Um, as a disclaimer, I do earn a slight um, commission basically off of every sign up. So if you wanna use the link for either service, they're in the description below. Um, but so far, yeah. That's what it is. So yes, I would recommend Artlist.io and Motion Array for stock assets, any stock assets. So music, sound effects, plugins, templates, motion graphics, footage, all the stuff. Uh, Check the services out. Yeah, and I think that's the last question for this video. Now, since I already talked about them, we're gonna skip the sponsor segment for the end of the video. Normally I would say, you know, and before we end, I wanna tell you about our sponsor and then I go talk about it, but I just did. So if you wanna sign up, you can do that. Okay, so that's gonna be it for today's video. So, as always, like, comment, subscribe, follow, all that stuff. Um, If you want to follow me on Instagram or on X, you can do that as well. Um, I'm mainly on YouTube, but I am on those as well. And I forgot to mention this earlier, as part of the sponsorship with Artlist and Motion Array, you can get $50 off or two months for free, depending on the service, when you sign up for those services. So if you're going to do that, make sure and check out the links below. Anyway, that's it. 
I'll see you in the next video. Or podcast, should I say. In the next podcast. In the next episode. I'll see you in the next episode. So, yeah. See you later.